into the hallway and I said, God, if you give me life, if you keep me alive, I will motivate and change the world one person at a time because I know that I'm meant for more. And I, I made a choice there. I was like, Brashawn, you know, you better get busy living and not dying. And I think cancer sort of woke me up because it's a choice, right? Do you live or die? Do you let it take over your mind and your body? Do you give up or do you not give up and you win? And I think, you know, I chose to win. Welcome to Imposters, the show where I talk to world-class execs, athletes, and entertainers about their personal challenges and how overcoming those challenges has shaped their careers and lives for the better. I'm your host, Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. My guest today is Bershawn Shaw. Bershawn is an influential business coach, podcast host, and a television personality. She's also a regular on ABC 7's Good Morning Washington, D.C., and made a splash as a guest star on season 13 of The Real Housewives of New York. Bershawn also published her memoir, The Unstoppable Warrior Woman, in 2020, and is in the process of launching her mental wellness app, You Are a Warrior, which is aimed at providing mental health support with the help of coaches and mental health experts. But what started all of this for Bershawn was not one, but two breast cancer diagnoses, the second being the worst scare 13 years ago when she was told she had stage four terminal breast cancer and just weeks before she was supposed to get married. Bershawn told me her story of how she managed to pull through this difficult time and how it changed the course of her career. But not before she also told me that earlier in the day that we spoke, she'd been doing cartwheels down Fifth Ave. I was going to start it in a different way, but then you talked about doing cartwheels down Fifth Ave. So we have to start there. I don't care where we start the interview. We have to start there. So uh, why were you doing cartwheels down Fifth Ave? Because I'm really a child at heart and I love tapping into my inner spirit. Uh, but my girlfriend challenged me and I'm like, you know what? So what? I'm not 10 years old. Let me do it. And I did it and everyone was staring. So it was sort of crazy and funny at the same time. <laughs> I love that. But yes, it was a playful moment, but it's also so representative of your character as a person being both really bold and expressive and just seeing the joy in life. Have you always been that way? You know, it's a great question. Have I always been that way? No. I would say when I was young, I was more of a people pleaser. I was afraid to go for it. I lived in a lot of fear. And I was worried about what they said, you know, they, the infamous they, who are they any, anyway. I just was worried about what people said about me. And I always sort of judged myself. Um, so growing up, I always had a good personality. I was fun. I was outgoing. But I would say, no, more. I, I more lived in the fear of it. So what changed that? What really changed is cancer. I, I think cancer played a really big part in my life. So I got diagnosed twice. The first time it was stage one and I did what you shouldn't do. I didn't tell anyone because I was too embarrassed. I didn't want to be known as the sick girl or the girl who was different. But when it came back two years later, I couldn't move. I couldn't 
and I couldn't move my back. And I was like, what is this? I thought it was a slip disc. I thought it was bad back problems. And so the doctor, one day told me to sit down and that shared that I had terminal breast cancer. And I think at that moment, you know, I was shocked. I was stunned. And I remember, I didn't even know what to say. I, I went into the hallway and I said, God, if you give me life, if you keep me alive, I will motivate and change the world one person at a time because I know that I'm meant for more. And I, I made a choice there. I was like, Brashawn, you know, you better get busy living and not dying. And I think cancer sort of woke me up because it's a choice, right? Do you live or die? Do you let it take over your mind and your body? Do you give up or do you not give up and you win? And I think, you know, I chose to win. Well, I have the chills as uh, as we're having this conversation because I can only imagine what it was like for you to be in the moment and the still and the silence and being told to sit down and just knowing nothing had to be said other than that phrase to know that something was really freaking wrong. Can you just, just to, to pause on this for a second, what was the first emotion you felt when the doctor uttered the words around you having cancer again? Wow, I mean, the emotion was scared, anxiety, death. I didn't have kids, I wasn't married. Why me? Angry, really, really angry. My mom died 10 years before I got diagnosed uh, of stage four and she died, unfortunately. And I was just like, you know, why me, God? What did I do? You know, 10 years later, the same cancer, the same way. And I remember asking the doctor, you know, what can I do? And he said, do you believe in miracles? And that hit me to my core, too, because it was sort of like a slap in the face. Well, do you believe in miracles? And, you know, I think I stopped and I paused and I said, hell yeah, I believe in miracles. And I'll see you in 10 years. And I walked out the door and that was never my doctor again. And I tried to call him 10 years, three years ago, because I'm 13 years cancer free and he had retired. I was like, oh. I'm going to you. I know. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to call. Um, he retired. So I was mad at that. But I think, you know, you go through dark days because you're on this journey alone. Right. Everyone else is living their life, going out to parties, going to work. I was young, you know, dating. And here I am going to the doctors, having IVs, getting blood, trying to live. And I just thought it wasn't fair. But I think when you go through dark times, my dark times was just being like, you know, when is the day? You know, what do I do? What, you know, my dad, I have my family and my friends. You know, do I give up? Do I give in? how to maneuver this madness. And I got on my knees and I started reading and it's just take it one day at a time. Because the anxiety and worry comes in life because we're thinking about, oh, what are we gonna do? You know, in April, the summer, our job, our house and all of this anxiety, but what are we gonna do today? What are we going to do tomorrow? Like it's one day at a time. and. Literally, I said every day, and this is what I did. I said, I'm going to challenge myself every single day to do something to get me out of a rut. Challenge myself every day. So if it's take a walk for 30 minutes, 
read 20 pages in a book every day, write something inspiration about my life. Like literally, because I wanted to get out of my head and get out of the depression. Because when you're depressed, you sort of get in a rut and you spiral down because you're looping the negativity. I have cancer. No one knows my story. I'm by myself. And so I had to stop the madness in my head. And I said, I'm going to challenge myself every day. When you're faced with certain death, the body and the mind needs to find another level of resiliency to survive. For Bashan, it's not that she didn't trust that initial doctor's diagnosis, but she needed to be in an environment where people believed that she could recover. Sometimes it's about surrounding yourself with the right group of people to motivate you through, as Bershawn says, the dark times. And in these dark times, Bershawn came up with her own method to turn that belief into a process of affirmation. I remember going on a vacation and I was married at the time and I literally walked around the entire property and I did a hundred affirmations. I said, I am healthy, I am enough, I am going to live. I am healthy, I am enough, I am going to live. I literally did it 10 times, 100 times. I just had to trick my mind and myself into living and being healthy and like just everything, writing it down. Because affirmations are so powerful. You affirm what you believe, you affirm it. I'm a big believer in that. Affirm, manifest, believe in it. Because you are what you think and you are what you believe. I went through some days like, I'm like, is this the day, God? Why me? Angry, depressed, crying. But you got you to gotta trick yourself out of it. Because what do you do? Stay in bed and never get up? You know, it's, it's a room with, with all these IVs and things hooked up to you. And you're, you're looking at your life. And... I think I couldn't believe me being so young looking at my life. You know what I mean? Look at just looking at my life and and saying like, why me? What's going on? But there was one person in my chemo room that still I remember till this day. She didn't believe I had cancer because I would come in the chemo room with like red pumps, a fur coat, faux fur <laughs> and like lipstick. I didn't come with a sweatsuit. I was like, I am going to live. I want to look good. Right. Because I didn't want to come with a sweatsuit and all of that. I'm coming dressed up. And she was like, are you sure you had cancer? And I'm like, look, they looked all over. But I say, you guys, we got to change our mindset. We have to change our mindset. We cannot live like this. We can't. We can't live with thinking we're going to die, wearing a scarf, not living our best life. Mindset is everything. It really is everything. It really is everything. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll hear how Bershawn maintains her glass half full attitude today and how her relationship with fear changed over the course of two cancer diagnoses. It's clear that Bershawn learned during her chemotherapy the power of maintaining a healthy mindset and how the mind can have such a powerful influence over our physical health. It's something that's evident in the work she's done as a coach and a motivational speaker, as well as with her new business venture. 
When asked what she sees as the biggest roadblock for most people when it comes to improving their mental wellness, she argues it comes down to more mindset and the questions that we ask ourselves. See, we're stuck in our own madness and noise and negativity and not believing in ourselves. And we loop it in. Oh, no, I can never do that. Oh, no, I didn't go to Harvard. Oh, no, I don't have the money. Oh, no, I can never be on TV. Oh, no, this is not me. Oh, no. And so change the trajectory, change what you say. Oh, yes, I can do it. Oh, of course I will. Oh, of course it's going to happen. I have the skill set. I was born to be great. I'm here to dominate. This is my power and I am enough. I coach hundreds and thousands of people. Most people say all negative things. We, we, we just say that. Now, I literally, like, someone on social media was like, oh, it can't be true. She's not this happy. People don't understand. It's not that I'm not this. I am happy. But it's a choice. It's a choice. I'm making a choice. I'm not saying I don't wake up depressed. I'm not upset. I'm not. Of course, things happen. Road rage. Somebody cut me off the other day and I was pissed, <laughs> right? I mean, they like, I was like, you, I wondered, but I was like, stop. I don't want them to take my joy. What is yeah. it? They cut me off. Okay. One, I didn't get in the, into an accident. And two, I didn't crash. This is This is something for the audience. Take yourself out of it. And look at it from the outside in. Did you hurt yourself? Did it destroy you? Did it take all the money from you? Did it destroy your character? No, nine times out of 10, the answer is no. It sounds like a really big thing for you to get out of these, these ruts, as you call them, these periods of loneliness, depression, anger at why is this happening to you, was the combination of affirmations, of manifestation. There are a lot of people in the world who would say, affirmation and manifestations are bullshit, that it's all bullshit. What, what, is, what is your response to someone who just like doesn't believe that saying, I love myself, I am worthy? People who don't believe in that, what would you say to that? Look at their life. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, right? I mean, I, I know it sounds funny, but the people who say that, I always like to say, how's your life working for you? How's your life working for you? Are you where you want to be? Do you have what you want to have? Have you stepped into your true greatness? Have you manifest your purpose? Do you really know why you're here? Because the naysayers will always say, oh, it's hocus pocus, it's this, it's that, right. But they're the ones who everything in their life is negative. You know, I did a podcast and someone said, you look at everything as the glass is half full. Because it is. Because when you change your mindset, believe me, you dominate. Because nothing can get in your way but yourself. But don't get me wrong. I lived in fear for a long time. Darkness, people-pleasing, afraid, scared, never wanting to rock the boat. Now, baby, I'm totally different, <laughs> right? I'm different because I've stepped into my power. It took a long time, but I did. I'm curious, how do you create the motivation for people to do that when they haven't experienced a trauma like you have? And the reason I ask that is you experienced breast cancer twice, stage four most recently, and your perspective has changed. Your view on fear has changed. Your view on caring about what others think has changed. And you know what that makes me think of is my own story. And my story is very different from yours, but losing my dad a week before junior year of college, passed away instantly from a stroke, perfectly healthy, that completely changed the way I thought. 
very quickly, it became very clear in life what mattered, what didn't matter. And everything to me looked like there was opportunity and positive, not it's not good enough or negative. But like for people who hopefully don't have to experience trauma in the early years of their life, how do you create motivation to, to think with the sort of pattern that you think with today? Yeah, no, good question. I mean, I, I devised the method that I use when I was sick. It's called my UR warrior method. It's, it's four things, four pillars, personal development. You have to work on your personal development, right? So you are what you think and you are what you believe and you are where you are because you don't think you deserve more, right? So when you work on yourself, your development of growing as a person, of learning who you are, of being better, you change. That's one, personal development. And two is self-improvement. Improve every day. Like when people say, oh, I'm the same as I was 10 years ago. I'm like, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Why do you want to, you know, people are like, oh, I'm just the same old Joey. Been the same for 20 years. No, that's not good. You want to grow. Why do you want to stay the same? Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. That's when you shine. That's when you manifest. That's when you blossom. When you challenge yourself. Motivation, I always stay motivated. You have to be around people who motivate you and inspire you. I'm sorry, toxic people can talk to the hand. I don't deal with them. It's a waste of time, right? If your friends or your group, they don't challenge you, motivate you and inspire you, I'm sorry, wrong friends. And then support, everything is support. I can say every one of my friends has supported me, invested in me, believed in me and cheered me on. I have a group of women that I can text and, you know, if anything, they're right there, done. Hey guys, I need you to buy this book or, hey, please support me at my conference. Or, they're there. So your support system is so huge. Those are my four things. Personal development, you guys, grow personally. Don't stay the same. Don't live in that fear. Take the leap. Do something you've always wanted to do. Self-improvement, improve yourself. Improve yourself in whatever way you want to do. Classes, seminars, online, motivation. Be around motivated people and support. You need support. Family and friends, I'm telling you, if you don't have it, you'll be by yourself. If you do those four things, you will change your life. You know, you, you've covered, let's call it the, the story of Bershon up until today. And I want to go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is fear and how your definition of fear has changed, right? You had shared that you used to be very fearful, fearful of what people think, fearful of death, and you have a very different perception of what fear is today. So I want you to share with me, how do you think about fear today? And how did you come into this new definition, a definition that allows you to do cartwheels on Fifth Ave without giving a shit what other people think? You know, I always say this, they're gonna talk about you anyway. People will always have something to say. If you live your life worrying about what they say, whether it's your friends, your family, your mother, your spouse, they will always have something to say. And misery loves company. See, fear is false evidence appearing real. It's not real. It's in your mind. It's what you think that someone's going to say. And nine times out of 10, it never happens. But the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the doubt, oh my God, is so built up that you never do anything and you stay paralyzed. That's fear. When I was going to go through my divorce 
everyone was like, oh no, don't do it. You know, what are people going to say? You know, your husband and da, da, da. they're saying all of this. And then I listened to them and I waited on my divorce. And then a year later, the person who told me this got a divorce. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you, you know, that, that happens all the time. People will tell you one thing and do another. I'm sure you've seen that, Alex. I had to get to a point where I didn't listen. I didn't listen. I had to step into my power and make my decisions with no validation. I had to. We as people, we need validation from people, right? That we look good, that we're smart. But when you realize we're on this journey called life on our own, we really are. We are on this journey by ourselves. Talk for a second about the work you're doing with uh, You Are a Warrior, because I think that that lines up so much with your experience and also the importance of understanding your mind. So talk about your inspiration for You Are a Warrior and and how you think about it, the, the, the goal of, of the business. I really wanted to do something to change lives. It's a mental health app for support. And it's mental wellness because when your mental health is good, it's called mental wellness. And I know through anxiety, depression, loneliness, we hide, we lie. We don't like to tell the truth. We don't like to tell the truth. And we need to really talk about it and open up to get the help we need. So I wanted to start an app that was positive, like social media, no bullying, no trolling, no negativity. I don't want that. You can get that somewhere else, but I want to work on you. So, you know, I've derived the You Are Warrior method. It's evidence-based. Um, I derived it in the chemo room. We did focus groups and it's a 21 day to help you get better because in 21 days, you make a habit. In 90 days, you make a habit of lifestyle. 120 days, you keep going. In 365 days, you are living in what you want to do and you keep going. You are changing yourself to do better and be better. So we're motivating you, we're inspiring you, we're giving you affirmations, manifestations. We're doing all of that on this journey. One last question for you is, for our uh, listeners who are going through some hard shit right now, whether it's cancer, whether it's mental illness, what's your one piece of advice to get them out of the rut? Don't give up and know that you have everything you need inside of you. Don't give up. Don't give in to the disease or the illness or the depression. Move past it. Tell yourself that you are enough. Tell yourself that I love myself. I would look in the mirror. I love Bershawn Shaw. I love Bershawn Shaw. But we were not put here to be mediocre. We were here to be great. Go be great. Don't settle. Listen to something positive every day and support. Support is so big. Do not give in. I love Bershawn's message of self-improvement through challenging yourself, changing your mindset through self-talk, and asking the right questions. It's no surprise that going through something like stage four cancer can really change you, but I deeply admire what Bershawn has done with this personal change. She's gone beyond just living her own life in a different way, but is equally as passionate about helping others do the same, whether or not they are dealing with a major hurdle like she did. And I think it's a powerful reminder for all of us. Take a multi-pronged approach to improving your mental well-being. Challenge yourself. Change the questions that you're asking. Surround yourself with the right people. 
and you will probably find yourself on the path to improvement. And now, before we go, it's time for some reflection of my own. Bershon spoke a lot about the importance of motivation in our discussion, which happens to be the topic of a recent episode of my other podcast, Founders Journal. So I thought I'd share some takeaways from that episode with you here, but if you want to hear the full episode, it's called What Motivates You, and it can be found on the Founders Journal feed. I recently had a conversation with a senior leader here at Morning Brew who was saying that when they hire people, they always ask what motivates them. And the people they're more likely to hire are the people who are motivated by a chip on their shoulder because that is a motivator that they personally relate to. I was reflecting on this after the discussion and I thought about the fact that during the early days of Morning Brew, I was absolutely motivated by the same thing. I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove to others that had discounted my abilities, specifically in middle school and high school, that I was enough and that I could achieve. But as I thought about it more, I started to wonder, what is the cost of having a chip on your shoulder? What I mean is, it's obviously an incredible motivator, but there is an emotional cost or an emotional price to pay when you feel like you're driven because you were wronged by others. It's an externally driven motivator that is based on the actions of others, which, while being incredibly effective professionally, can be super limiting personally. And it was this thought about the limits of certain motivations that got me thinking more about the trade-offs of different types of motivations. And better yet, it had me asking, is there a singularly, quote-unquote, best motivator that should drive people? one that is most effective and least costly to our personal happiness. So I went to Twitter, went to LinkedIn, and I posed the question to my followers. What is the number one motivator in your career? And some of the answers that I got were the usual suspects. Money, competition with myself, competition with others, vision for a better life, helping others, creating an impact, and a bunch more. Now, none of these motivators are inherently good or bad. They all just have trade-offs. For instance, with the motivator of competing with yourself, the trade-off can be uninhibited pressure and a lack of balance in life. Or for a motivator like being driven by money, it can create a world in which happiness and fulfillment constantly evade you. And as I evaluated these different common motivators, I kind of mentally bucketed them based on three different spectrums. The first was, how strong of a motivator is this one that I'm thinking of, from very weak to very strong? The second was, how easy is it to lose this form of motivation? And the third was, how large or small are the personal trade-offs of the given type of motivation that I'm thinking about? And in looking at these different motivators and where they fell on these different spectrums, I landed on one specific motivator that seemed to me to be the most optimal. And that is a love for learning and growth, aka self-improvement. I believe self-improvement, if harnessed right, can be wildly motivating while creating the space and permission for you to find balance and joy personally. Now, I absolutely believe it is harder to build self-improvement as a strong motivator, as opposed to something like fear of failure or having a chip on your shoulder, but I do believe that it can be a motivator that is wildly powerful 
yet productive when honed properly. Imposters is a production of Morning Brew. Our show is produced by Michaela Heck and Vishnu Vallabhaneni. Our executive producer is Brian Henry. And our sound engineers are Dan Bauza and Rosemary Minkler. Alan Haberchak is the director of audio at Morning Brew. And Sarah Singer is our VP of multimedia. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Original music in this episode is by Rosemary Minkler. <laughs>